Hello, my name is Evan Jacobs and welcome to the Orange County Hardcore Scene Stir Aftermath podcast. These interviews are part of an ongoing series chronicling the hardcore punk music scene in Orange County, California and sometimes elsewhere. They are an addendum to the film Orange County Hardcore Scene Stir. This is a documentary I made that chronicles the 1990s hardcore punk scene. You can stream Orange County Hardcore Scene Stir on Vimeo. For $2 a month, you can watch every Anadimia film by subscribing to Anadimia Films Unlimited on Vimeo. Links for all this stuff are in each episode description. To support this podcast, please like, rate, and review it. Also, please subscribe to Anadimia Films TV on YouTube, where you can view all of these podcasts in their original video form. So then Chad started to show me, and then um, my parents' house was really welcoming of friends, and so I was like, oh, come over, you know, hey, I'm back, and come over, and so the people that he brought with him were just different, you know what I mean? Like, they were into the scene and listening to music that uh, I didn't know, so it was like, well, like, Stand as One was the Strife original name, and they had recorded, like, a, a demo, and, like, so that... Uh, Inside Out blew my mind, you know, um, and, and some of those uh, bands. And then, you know, Mike Hartsfield was just arriving into the band. And, of course, he had a bunch of stuff that, you know, he turned me on to and all the New Age stuff. And um, Well, I remember you know, when I got Lifetime, in, like... I remember listening so much to, like, Lifetime and Turning Point and just taking in as much as I could at that time. That's Those were the bands that really... When I heard him, I was like, I, I just need to keep listening and, and focus on this. And Were you playing guitar at this time, or had you been playing yeah, guitar? Yeah, really, really learned at at school while I was away. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, so when I came back, those guys were like, oh, check this song out. And I played it, and they were like, oh, you can do this. So I did it in another band. Okay. okay. And so we had some mutual friends did it in another band. Um, just however we could get the, the, the band done. I mean, you know, I went from playing guitar to just being the singer and, you know, just, we played a couple shows, we played with, um, Strife actually, and kind of a famous one. So I was doing that and that's why, I mean, Mike, I mean, the, the lineup was set, you know, with Mike Hartsfield, uh, Andrew, Chad, you know, Rick and Sid. So that was set and there wasn't. That's why. I mean, it was just, it happened before I came back. And then they asked you to be in the band, though, like a few years later, because you graduate, and then you're in Strife, if my years are correct, you're in Strife in 94? Yeah. So, during or right before the recording of One Truth. Well, that was my next question. Did you play on that? No, okay, I didn't, but um, that rambunctiousness I was talking about, like, almost got Chad and I killed right before the recording. <laughs> okay, so, go into that, please. I haven't thought about that in a minute. All right, <laughs> different world, no internet. Uh, the recycler was like, okay, so. 
we're bored at someone's house. I, I remember it's Tim Beatty's house. We're playing guitar. He's, you know, he's got a guitar and we're, here's what I know. We're teaching each other how to play. Our friend Dave is there. He was in that first band uh, that I was in. And um, he had, hey, look, this guy is selling this car in the recycler. He's in El Rio and Oxnard. And he's looking for 300 bucks for this Chevy Malibu. 72 or something like that. I don't know if that's right. But it was a big car. And he called him and he, he lied to the guy actually. Said, you know, we don't have 300 bucks, but what we do have is 100 bucks and a really nice bass guitar, which we didn't have. So then we all got in the car and we drove down there, drove to El Rio, and we said, we don't have a bass. We got 100 bucks. And the guy said, I'll take it. I'm sick of people trying to steal this car. It is missing a window. You know, like it didn't go into reverse. Okay, so, minor, minor, minor thing, minor thing. So yeah, so what we're we gonna do for fun is buy this car and then set rules for everybody because everybody wants to drive the car. So the rules were: you're driving and you don't skid the car to a stop, you're out. You don't run through like a hedge or a sign or a mailbox every five minutes, you're out. If you are stopped and you don't, you know, burn out from a stop, you lose, you're out. So it was like, you must drive recklessly. And the car already was a reckless vehicle. Like it already had problems. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> I think it was the next day. It was like Easter morning. So we got spray paint and painted it. Easter eggs, you know, 01 on the door. And, you know. Where'd you keep this to car? The Dukes of Hazard. Huh? Where'd you keep the car? Did your parents let you keep on it? On the street. Oh, so we ended up being so hard on the car <laughs> that we were driving full speed and the car shut off. The brakes went out the same time when we were going down this hill, and we had we had we were jumping the car. Seventy-two Chevy Malibu, you know, another car of mine was stolen from Andrew's apartment actually not long after, and I had photos of of the car airborne. You know, what I mean, like I, that that disappeared because I think you know, forget the car. I wish I had those photos. It was. Uh, we were so hard on the car that the, the wheels were cambered. And so when all the power went out, like it just pulled the car off the road, kind of, you know. I think that's what happened. We hit, we hit a group of palm trees going so fast that everybody other than me almost died. Like literally, <laughs> they were all um, so badly damaged that um, massive internal damage. I'm talking like long-term I want to say I remember something about this with Chad right wasn't Chad because he was with you yeah so Chad was sitting behind me right so when when strife was happening I remember my first show was at the Macondo okay four, and my foot was broken I was on crutches so my first two strife shows we did two shows before we left for you know, uh, a new hope festival in Madison, Wisconsin, which was amazing. I actually sent you the tour pass that I just found from that and new oh. hope thing. So you, 
I just text you that right before this thing. Anyway. Um, See, yeah, I'm bringing so, up memories. Yeah, so, right. Uh, so that's what happened. So we, we were, you know, I was like, you want to be in the band? Sure. Let me almost kill myself and Chad <laughs> and two other guys. So that was kind of slow, but but I think that happened right after the recording, actually. So um, so they were just about to record everything, and and then you know I was a part of it because they couldn't get themselves to the music studio. So I, I was driving them to and from. I was there, but I didn't learn the songs until I heard them being recorded. You Even know, though like, you knew you so were in the band, pretty much. I mean. Even in, in even in the cover artwork, I'm in the picture because we just played that first Macondo show mm-hmm. and they were doing the artwork. But yeah, I knew I was in. I maybe knew a couple of the songs just because I knew them already somehow. Uh, from was the idea shows. that the songs in One Truth, like that they they were already kind of baked and there was like, hey, let's just have record as this unit and then on and then on what what would become in this defiance. Well, then, obviously, have Todd be on that record. Yeah, it was it's like a totally different recording process, and everything was different then, of course. But, um, but I think it was like this is expensive. This isn't a good place to like learn the songs. You know, it was really fast. The recording was like get the drums set up and sounding right, and that took a long time. And and then it was like, and I sat there when Andrew ran through the guitar parts. I mean. It was like, he'd do the part. Yep, that's good. Go to the next one. And like, it was, you know, really fast. Um, but, you know, the, the attention and focus was really on like just getting the drums recorded, sounding right. They were tuned, you know, like it was, it was really a big deal. And so I didn't know anything about that. So I wasn't really going to, I didn't add anything there, you know, right. Right? and I don't think I would have. I was just kind of wide-eyed because I was going to shows and watching them before that. You know what I mean? These guys knew what they were doing. I didn't know yet. So what so what, what was it like to go from being a spectator to this band that you like and suddenly you're in one of the bigger bands in the scene? Like what what was that like for you like did, in your in your mind or were you just stoked to be there? I was already, you know, like I played some shows already and, and like, you know, wasn't weird it was like um really just called me i think they were like at a denny's payphone all right we got to go get you an amp because you're in and i was like okay cool let's go get an amp and and they were my friends i was hanging out with them anyway going to shows with them you know like and and so it wasn't wasn't weird and it it didn't seem like a big it just seemed like fun didn't seem like a big thing or it wasn't they weren't a band that was like some big thing you know, it wasn't like a, I didn't see them any differently than you would see your friends. So I guess, I guess that is all. So when you were driving them for the whole one true thing, were you in the band at that point or were you just their friend? Yeah, they, like, they asked me to be in the band, I think. And, and before that, or right when that was happening, like right before that, it was all, I think, scheduled. The recording was scheduled and everything was planned out and it was like right then. And it was like, you want to be in. So, yeah, 94 is right. I think the thing got recorded. Chad and I crashed horribly. It took us a little while to bounce back. Um, And then we, you know, and then we off we went. You know, what was that like, though, with One Truth 
and then everything that kind of came after it came out. Because you guys literally seemed like you recorded that record. And I remember you guys came to Orange County. And I don't know if this was the intent or whatever. But like you guys were obviously the out-of-town band. You know, Ignite was playing all these Orange. And it was just like you guys came. And Hartsfield was even playing at that time. He was playing bass. And you guys yeah. just came and you took it over. And then it just seemed like you guys got swept away to touring, touring, touring on a level that like a lot of the Orange County bands that, I, you know, Farside, Game Face, they were going on tour, but they would go on tour around school. They, um, you know, go on tour around their jobs. You guys just seemed like you went. And what was that like for, for you at that time? You know, I had some support. So it was, um, you know, it was great. My father in particular was like, you've got to do this, you know. You got an opportunity to go do things and see things. Once he understood that there there was this big community and like it didn't matter I was leaving Thousand Oaks to go to Riverside, he just knew that when I got there, there were three hundred friends there. Right. Yeah, you know, it didn't matter where it was. So once he understood that, he was like, Okay, I you're safe, you're doing your thing, you're in this large group of people and um and go. Like you know, it was like um Here's how my life went. I didn't have an opportunity to go to do this or do that. Like, if you want to do this, I think it's a good idea. So it was like, uh, I mean, the first U.S. tour we took, my mother's van, right? So, like, the One Truth tour wouldn't have, I mean, at this point, yeah, was I contributing? Yeah, a lot. Like, <laughs> transportation, mostly, right? Like, um, it was so it was like we got, we're screwed. Chad quit the band like two days before the one trip tour. So I had to play bass and uh we need we had no ride. Chad was like I think Chad was like, I- I'm moving tomorrow. Like I'm moving to Seattle. And he was gone. And right. it was like immediate. And we we're like, holy shit. So and my, my parents knew all these guys. Some, you know, they were they were invited over all the time. And so they said, yeah, I, okay, take it. We have a van, take the van. You know, hooked up a U-Haul to it and put everything in there and, and went went on the road, you know. And then didn't really ever want to stop. It was full of, like, all kinds of problems. And, and you know, <laughs> I mean, it was, it's crazy to think about how, how, um, how challenging it was, but I can't, I actually can't believe we would just go right back out and do it again and, well, and enjoy it. And it, but not just again, but again and again. And then you guys are going overseas and you guys are like yeah. becoming legit, really good friends with like Sepultura and like, I mean, just like yeah. stuff like that. Like that, that to me is the amazing part of it because none of that was by design. It was just because you guys had this love for this particular music that drove all this would is that yeah. you know yeah it's true but we played with everybody and so i had this preconceived idea of sepultura thought i knew what they were about or what they would be like you know so and i didn't i had, i was wrong they were like family you know they, they were that's how they relate to each other and to us and um so you know a lot of lessons to be learned there but we didn't just play with like Sepultura. I mean, it was like, you know, ska. We played with a lot of ska bands and like everything that was happening at the time, like we were kind of a part of it, doing things that were different and challenging 
and uncomfortable because we didn't know what it would be like. Didn't stop us. Well, that was like the scene that you would come from. Like, I mean, I I saw Strife a number of times. I played with Strife a few times. I remember playing with them. It was Ice opening. Um, There was like one other band, Strife, Game Face, and Sam I Am. And it was like, like, and, but what I always loved was Strife's audience would come and it wasn't like they were just there for strife and they would leave. They were there for like the show. And I, I always, I, I just like, was like, wow, that's, that's, that's just cool. Because sometimes you wouldn't always see that, you know, the, the certain band plays and then, you know, those people leave because hey, they've seen their band. Yeah. It was a time where we would all be up front. Right. And it's great now to see some of these old pictures come back and go like, Oh, look, look, look who, you know, look who's there for, for this other band. I think there was like a really, um, uh, I guess, famous old Ignite picture where Rick is really featured, you know what I mean, in the crowd. And so there's a lot of that stuff uh, floating around right now. It's just so fun. It's like, let's see how many faces in the crowd we can pick out. And most of us are, are there, you know, we could find ourselves in crowds, all these other bands and all these other places. So then, after this, well, actually, there was at that show at the Ice House. I don't know if you remember this. You and Hartsfield had a little arrangement where, for at one point, I think you only did it in the first song. You guys kind of it was very, very glam metal. That's the only way that I can describe this. You guys would walk up to each other and kind of bump in the front and then like step away. Do you remember this at all? Because I believe Mike does. Wow. <laughs> let's 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 break okay. down the anatomy of this. Okay, so there are things I would do to make other people laugh that don't belong in on stage or whatever. Uh, and, and, and cool is not my thing; never was. But I will do things, stupid things, stupid to make my friend just off stage laugh or somebody that I I know so it's going to mean something to somebody else. So. Yeah, I mean, if it was glam, it was probably intentionally overly glam. Oh, it was awesome. Well, I asked Mike, I said, hey, was that planned? He goes, yeah, it was planned between me and Todd. I was like, of course. Wow, (laughs) (laughs) it probably was a ton of that. Yeah, we are still, that's a great um, example of who we are as a band still. We are still that way. That's what we do. We always have been. And... There's always some of us does, you know, to make someone else laugh. And it, and there's always, that's always happening. And I think that's, um, at this point, I think that's the point. 